Welcome to the City Reach Baptist podcast. If you would like more information about the life of our church, please go to our website at cityreach.com.au or like us on Facebook. We hope you enjoy this message. Thanks, Fiona. Just to see if we are in the right crowd, how many of you have made a big mistake in your life? That's great. Today we're going to talk about how God can rescue us from our mistake. I'm going to talk about three points, how God, the wonderful Savior, can save us. Talk about mistake. On 2nd of July, 1982, pilots uh, have radioed back to the station and said, we have seen a UFO. It's not an alien aircraft, but he said what it looks like, a man sat on his uh, lawn chair with balloons, and on his arm, he had a pistol on his arm, flying five kilometers or 16,000 feet above the sea level. They were shocked. Now, it was a crazy experiment of Larry Walters. He, in his childhood dreams, he wants to be a pilot, but he was rejected because of his poor eyesight. So he resolved, I'm going to do it myself. Big mistake. He tied helium balloons on his chair, uh, 45 in total, and with his uh, CB radio, he had a meter to check his attitude, his attitude, and also he had a camera, of course, his sandwich and a two-liter cook, and his fisting gun to shoot down balloons when he wants to land. But it wasn't went according to plan. The launch, when he, before he even cuts the, the wire, it broke, and it catapulted him right up into the sky, five kilometers up into the air. Big mistakes. Some of you most probably can identify with that, isn't it? Big mistake that's in our lives. Now, today, this is the Christmas season. We make mistakes in Christmas season, but the good news is Jesus is here. But when we look at Christmas, a lot of times we look at the decoration to see Jesus as a little baby, a fluffy, helpless babe. But the Bible tells us that not only is he a baby, next slide, please, that uh, a child will be given unto us at the next slide, but the government will be on his shoulders, and he shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Almighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. In the next four weeks, we're going to have a real picture of who Jesus is. He's here today, and he can be our wonderful counselor in our biggest problems. Now, the book, next slide, please. The book of Isaiah is a book of warning and of hope. Isaiah lived in the age when uh, Israel was very, very idolatrous and rebellious against God. In fact, Israel was so bad that God had allowed the insurance to invade them. Now, Isaiah is a prophet in the southern kingdom, Judah, and he warned the people. And that's why the first 
Verses say there were wars and we are lived in contempt because of the northern part of our land has been conquered. One would have thought at that time there were injustice and they were being scolded at by, uh, uh, by Isaiah. They feel guilty. They feel fear. They're anxious because Isaiah said, if you don't turn from your sins, you will be next because the Babylonian will one day come and conquer us as well. That feeling of hopelessness and uh, guilt rests in him. Now, let's back to our friend Larry, the lawnmower guy, the lawn armchair guy. He was up into the air. When he was up there, panic sets in because you look right down, he's five kilometers above the ground. When you look at he's too fearful to shoot the balloons down because if I was tilted, I would be plunged to my death. So he stayed up there, hold on to his dear life for over an hour in the freezing temperature of minus 15 degrees. He said, the only thing I can do is to pray at the time. And God did answer his prayer. He, make, he aimed at the balloon and shot at it. One or two balloons popped, but it didn't go down. It kept going up. So, in his desperation, he prayed again and shot more balloons. But while he's doing that, he dropped his gun. <laughs> but God answered his prayer and the chair slowly descended on earth. When he's up there, he's desperate. He cannot control anything, but he has to place everything in God's hand. Now today, we may have that feeling as well, but you'll say, Pastor Vincent, I live a very, very comfortable life. I have good income, good family. I can drink my skinny latte anytime I want. But deep in our heart, we know that that security is not forever. A phone call from the doctor about your report. A girlfriend that calls you that wants to break up. Your boss tells you that because of a financial turn, you have to cut you. All these things in our life are not secure. In fact, a lot of times, all these things can destroy in a split of a second. I was involved in a car accident before. In a split second, your whole, high, your whole life can change. Our security and rest on various thin grounds. And we also have the Holy Spirit speak to us. We are sometimes controlled by our own sin. Things we want to do, we cannot do. But the things we don't want to do, we did it. How can we control our lives? We have this sense of helplessness in the time of uh, this turmoil, uh, age that we live in. Next slide, please. If you look into the world, we have many, many problems. A research was, was sent to all the young people. They said the biggest problem they have is climate change. We have problems with our food, our water. How are we going to eat the food when it's all genetically uh, changed and we have all cancer? How about young people? Now, when I was a student, um, 
Not going to school because of stress is never, I've never heard of that before. But now, every week, we, we have talked to teachers, every week in the class, someone will call in um, to stress. I can't come of depression, of other problems. It is an epidemic in our schools. And also, the fear of terrorism. Now, how many of you have been to England and America in the last two or three years? I have. The security is really tight. When I went to Las Vegas, it was just the time when they have the, the shooting, and it was really, really tight. Everywhere we go, we're not secure. In this world, first thing we need to know to get out of our problem is we cannot control our destiny. Only God can. Perhaps we don't need to wait until, like Larry, up into air to say that prayer. But I wish today you recognize that only God can help us. The second thing we need to know, first, is to realize that we're living in an age where nothing is certain and we're helpless. The second is, we need to realize that Jesus is the only one who can help us. The Bible said, for a child will be born. It's a prophecy. The verses said that out in the darkness, they see a great light. And this great light is this child. Jesus Christ came on earth 2,000 years ago, and He is our shining light. And His name shall be called Wonderful Counselor. We need a wonderful counselor today for our problems. Next slide, please. Now, when we look at the root word, wonderful, it's not like, oh, you, your dress is wonderful today. It's not just a simple description. It's about something which is so wonder, incomprehensible. When people see it, they're in awe. Now, in all the world, we have a lot of great philosophers, great people that was born, but one person and one person alone have that draw-dropping miracles that he performed day in, day out. And his name is Jesus. Yes, we have Confucius, we have Buddha, who have great saying, but he never rose again from the dead. Jesus is the one that went before, long before he was born, he was prophesied he was born of a virgin. Have you heard of that before, lately? Jesus, when he was on earth, he healed the sick. People who have been suffering, bleeding for 12 years, the woman simply touched Jesus and she was, she was uh, completely healed. How about this time when you go to a funeral and Jesus raised the person up from the dead? People said, following Jesus is boring. When you go to the funeral or go to anywhere and see these miracles, Jesus, as a Christian, nothing is boring because anything can happen anytime. How about this time when Peter was with Jesus? He was a seasoned fisherman and he fished all night, couldn't find any fish. But Jesus says, go to the deeper water and put your net on this side. So he did. He took the fish out. He was shocked because he had fished all day. He knew the waters. But when he saw Jesus, he said, leave me, I'm a sinful man. You and you alone are God. God calmed the sea, fed 5,000 people. You'll say, come on, 
Pastor Vincent, you don't believe all this, do you? Now, all these are written within a lifetime, less than 70 years, what Jesus has done. Now, how many of you know that Second World War exists? It is written. But if some outrageous man that came forward and say, it does not exist, you would expect someone would come forward and say, this is a crazy man, don't believe in him. Millions and thousands of, of people will write against him. But to our surprise, no one, no pagans, Romans, Jewish people, anyone stand up to say all the recording of Jesus is false. So there's evidence that Jesus existed. And when he was resurrected, the Bible tells us that 500 witnesses saw him. Some people say it's just hallucination, but a psychologist said for 500 people all together have the same hallucination in itself. It's a bigger miracle than resurrection itself. It just cannot happen that way. It's a draw-jumping miracle that Jesus performed on earth. We need to realize in our life that Jesus has that special authority on earth he can do miracles. I have experienced lately, besides a, a pastor, I do have a hobby job. I'm a physiotherapist as well. And in my time uh, as a physio, when I see the need of people, I would ask them, do you mind if I pray for you? And I came across a lady, I've seen, him for, seen her for a while. She was brought up in a domestic violence relationship. She was almost beaten to death by her husband. And since then, she had to leave her and live in the countryside to escape from him. She came because I was practicing in Gola, and she uh, came one day with a lot of neck pain and back pain because her whole body was damaged uh, by all the beating. And uh, she had heart problem as well. So I said to her, do you mind if I pray for you? I know that you're suffering a lot and only my hands can do so much for you, but I can pray for you. Two months later, she came back because she, she don't have the money, she had to come because of the care plan. So every two months or so, she came and see me. But this time, it's a little bit odd because most of my patients should sit on the chair or, or lie down on the plinth for me to work on. But this time, she's actually sat on the plinth swinging her legs, and she said, uh, Vincent, I remember you prayed for me last time I was here. And I was waiting, oh, is there any good things that I've done? And she continued. She said, last time you prayed for me, I feel really un not well. I was admitted to hospital. I said, no, God, what, what was happening? <laughs> It was so bad they have to put morphine in my body and I stay in hospital for five days. I say, oh no, God, perhaps <laughs> she wants me to sue me or, or something like that for praying for her. But she said, since then, I did not drink a drop of alcohol. I've been an alcoholic for 30 years. 30 years? If I have addiction for one day, I have problems. But now, someone who is 13, I ask her, I look at her notes, how old are you? She's in her 40s, and she said, since I was 13, 
I've been drinking heavily for many, many years. Doctors have tried, counselors have tried, nothing happened. But you pray for me, and it worked. I don't feel like drinking anymore. And she said, you are a God. And at that time, I said, what's happening, God? I still have 10 minutes with the woman. What should I do <laughs> in my practice? So I said to her, I'm not God, but I know who God is. Do you know Jesus? He's a wonderful counselor. He said, no, I don't know Jesus. So I have the privilege to brought her to Christ at that point. In our life, we need to see this wonder, this in all incomprehensible way that God touches our life. Because being a Christian is a miracle itself. Now, next slide, please. Now, how many of you know this animal, Exloctus? Have you heard of this animal before? This animal is, uh, 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 is an infant form of this amphibian, Cosanamendus. It's in a perpetual lava stage. You have the, it looks cute. You have external guilt outside, but it's living in water. When it's fully grown, like on this side, on the right-hand side, it becomes an amphibian like, like a frog. But with a healthy dose of iodine on the exolotus, the iodine will kick in in the thyroid of the animal, peroxine will produce, and it will slowly develop, fully develop into a full-grown animal. Otherwise, it will die it will die until it's in this form. Now, a lot of Christians are in an immature form. And without developing our fear and awe in God, we can live like this. We, we are cute. We're underwater all the time. But we can never become the full-grown man or woman that God wants us to be. God wants us to be fully grown. Paul said, I labor and labor so that you can grow into maturity into Christ. Today, our elders, our pastors work hard and our leaders all here wants every one of you to be close to Christ and work out your salvation with fear and trembling because it's the only way we can grow and the only way to do it is we can have the dose of healthy, reverent fear of God. Then we can read the Bible, pray to Him, serve Him. Some of the problem in the Western world, in Western churches, people say, I'm too busy. But you have time for Game of Thrones. I'm too busy. I, I don't want to go. When you're in heaven, you'll meet with them all the time. Why don't you get used to the people you don't like now when, before you go to heaven? <laughs> God wants us to develop this wonderful awe in Him. The song that we sang earlier on, Joy to the World, at the end there's a chorus. It says, The wonders of His love, the wonders of His love, the wonder, wonders of His love. We need to have the wonder of God's love in our life so that we can see the miracle that God has done for us, especially on the cross. 
wonderful. Counselor. The next word, counselor, is the word to counsel, to advise, and to devise a plan for you. You say, I'm pretty good. I don't need this. But the Bible also tells us in Isaiah 55, verse 9, is as the heaven is higher than earth, so my thoughts is higher than your thoughts, and my plan is higher than your plans. If you are like a lot of people, like Sue, whose plan and your life run to ruins, God has a special plan for you today. You need the counsel of God today. Next slide, please. When we look at Jesus, the Bible tells us, uh, introduce Jesus as the one who have hidden all the treasures and wisdom of knowledge. What's the best way if someone advise you, have all the wisdom in the world and all the knowledge of the world? Not only that, he's the perfect revelation of God himself. He is God, not just a good man, but he's God himself. And he knows everything about everyone. How many of you like to travel? I like traveling. And sometimes when you go and buy your tickets and hotels, there are travel agents that help you to do that. But travel agents are different from travel guide. Travel agent only sells the tickets to you, plan for you, but the travel guide, when you're on the land, they actually take you to places of interest, tells you what to do. Jesus is our travel guide, not an agent. He's like a GPS that comes uh, when we tell us, in 100 meters, turn right to this road, and after you turn, in a roundabout, turn out in a second uh, opening and go straight. Jesus will tell us, not just give us a plan, a generic plan for everyone, but he's a guide. Now, some of you will know that I'm a real-life group pastor. Uh, I like to visit uh, some of your groups at times, but unfortunately, when I first started, it was winter, it was dark, and I've done my best. I've Googled everything. I write down where to turn, three left and two right, I'll arrive at that place. But how many of you know that the streets of Adelaide in the dark, the, the signs are very, very small? So I've got lost a few times. Then one fine day when I was traveling and also traveling with Pastor Timon, I discovered Google Maps. So before I go, I punched it in, and it tells me, and it changed route to avoid the heavy traffic as well. Jesus is like that. Now some of you will say that, oh, I know Jesus a long time ago. But God wants us to direct each step of our way every day. So when we face problem, when we have addiction, when we face the insurmountable temptation, God can be with us, next to us, and help us through. I have experience like that. Some of you will know that I conducted a funeral on Friday. Uh, it's Peter Harvey, a dear friend, and also Di and Poppy is here today. Thank you for coming. The story I want to tell is it happened about three months ago. Uh, how many of you know that we have a Pilates uh, gym in our campus here? This is our out 
outposts to reach out the gospel to people. Now, they have uh, over 50 um, uh, tea on Friday, uh, on Wednesdays, and uh, because it's a great opportunity to meet with people, so I usually go and, and uh, introduce myself, talk to the people. Now, three months ago, Di said to me, she said, Vincent, my husband Peter is not well. Do you mind praying for him? So I did. And God's GPS came. And I usually don't hand out business cards, but that instance, um, I was instructed by God to give my business card to die. And to die's, die, don't even know that. Um, I prayed for Peter, and Peter got the card. He put it in his pocket, and according to Poppy, usually with business card, especially with pastors, they will throw it away. But he kept it in his pocket, and he texted me back. And when I received the text, I was driving, I looked at the number, I don't know the number, perhaps it's just one of those scam calls. But when I arrived home, I read it. It said, Pastor Vincent, thank you for praying for me. I'm a very lucky man. Your prayer has been answered. I felt a lot better. And I know that, oh, I prayed for Peter today. So I immediately text back and say, that's great. Why don't I, we meet and I'm going to pray for you personally. And uh, basically, he didn't text it back, but basically saying, uh, no thanks, I'm not that serious. Don't call me, I'll call you. Have you heard of that one before? So I knew my cue and I said, any problem that you have, I can pray for you. And they will have a cup of coffee some other time. Now that story, that, uh, that goes for another two months. And uh, a few weeks ago, um, I was asked to pray for a Chinese lady in the Pilates gym again. And she had a tragedy at home, so you need a pastor to talk to her. So I went there on the Friday. I still remember Friday because she only comes for that class, uh, Pilates class on the Friday. And she hadn't been to the Pilates for a while because she had to, uh, there's some crisis at home. So that day on the Friday, I was quite busy, but the Holy Spirit, God just said to me, why don't you call the Jimish if she's here? So I pick up the phone. I still remember it's 11 something. I, I call Tanya, who is in charge uh, of the Pilates uh, studio at that time. And uh, she said, yeah, she's here, come over. So I came over talked to the person, and Tanya said, by the way, um, died husband Peter have a very serious operation this afternoon. Uh, the doctor said because his heart is very weak, his kidney is not doing well, liver is not doing well, he had a last-ditch operation to put a pacemaker in him, but it's very dangerous. Can you pray for him? And I say, of course I can pray for him, but I don't feel comfortable. Can, I, can we go together and visit uh, Peter and die? which I did. Now, at that time, we know that Peter is not a Christian yet. So when I arrived, I, I said to Peter, are you a Christian? Peter said, yes. And uh, do you know Jesus personally? He said, yes. I'm a little bit odd, but I feel too embarrassed to ask more questions. So I pray for the operation and uh, the, the hands of the doctors, and he'll recover from it. Then on a Sunday, while I'm still in this place, died uh, text Tanya, Tanya forward the message to me and said this, the operation was successful, but Peter had a turn in the operation. He almost died. They revived him. And thank you for your prayer. I think your prayer really helped him through. But I also know that on Monday that uh, the first operation was successful. They need a second operation because there's so much scar tissue in his heart. They need to drill holes in it to burn that off. 
So he needs a second operation at the end of the week on Friday. And on that week, we have a pastor's retreat, so we'll be out for a few days. And if I don't go on Monday, I may not see him again. But at that point in time, I'm not sure you have watched movies before with plot and twist that all of a sudden make sense. Have you, have you had that experience before? I look at uh, Peter's name, Peter Harvey, and Di, and her daughter's name is Poppy. Now, this combination is not very common, even though we met lots of people every day as pastors, but Poppy wasn't a, uh, a name, but I've known a Poppy 25 years ago. And all of a sudden, God's light shine on me, and they were my neighbors 25 years ago. They lived next to us. And Poppy have actually babysat my, my daughter Valerie before. And Peter, actually, we have a few discussions because he has business in Singapore, and my wife's uh, family have businesses that they know each other. So I said to God, wow, it is not a coincidence. I called my wife, and then I said to Tanya, we need to go and see Peter. Now, the GPS of God comes again. He came, came this time and said, now this time you have to ask him what he means to be a Christian. So I did. When I arrived there, I told Peter and said, Peter, do you live in McGill, in this avenue that we live in? He almost fell out of his bed. So, uh, and uh, I, after carrying Poppy and Diane from the chair up, <laughs> I said to them, this is no coincidence. It's God's plan. God wants me after so many years. And Di later told me that Peter had an open heart surgery 30 plus years ago. And after that, he had more surgery and all the body parts have been failing. But God has kept him so long for the moments such as this. And I know the gravity of this time. So I said to Peter, Peter, a lot of Australians said they are Christians. But what do you mean by being a Christian to you? And of course, Peter don't go to church. He doesn't read the Bible. So there was silence for five seconds. I know my time is there. So I slip in and I said, do you mind if I tell you what it meant to be a Christian for me? And he said, yes, his eyes was bright. He was looking, he's waiting. Most probably, intuitively, he know that his time is almost up. And this, perhaps, if I'm not his neighbor, any pastor that come, he would say no. But because it was such a marvelous coincidence to him, to me as a miracle, he'd say yes. So I explained to him the legal implication of Jesus, God, that came on earth and died for us on the cross. And I said to him, Jesus is not a figurative person. He's God and came on earth 2,000 years ago. Do you believe that? And say, yes, I believe that. And I am, do you know why he did it? He said, I don't know. He said, because of our sins, the wages of sin is death. We have to pay for our penalty, you know. But Jesus dying on the cross for us, pay for this penalty. The Bible said, he who so ever believe in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. If you accept Jesus' gift for you and repent of your sin. I said to Peter, do you want to accept Jesus' gift for you today? He looked at me, he said, yes, I would like to. I can see he's so sincere in his eyes. He really, really wants to. So we say a prayer together, 
And this is the last time I saw Peter. In fact, I've got some good news out there. He was so good that he uh, doesn't need a second operation. He was discharged. But God had other plans. He collapsed at home because of the kidney and liver failure. And from then, he passed on to eternity in the safe hands of Jesus. And I have the privilege to lead the service on Friday and tell this story because it's the dying wish of Peter to, to tell this story to his friends, his cricket friends. Jesus is wonderful. He, we should be in awe. Jesus also is our counselor who will direct every step of our way. We need to recognize we are living in a world we cannot control, but realize Jesus is the only way, only person that can help us. The third point is we need to return back to God. Even the great apostles, Paul, said in Romans, he said, wretched man that I am. Why do he say that? Because before that he said, the things I want to do, I cannot do. But the things that um, I do not want to do, I do that all the time. I cannot control myself. Who can deliver me from this body of death? He was a great struggle. Now, mind you, he's not a non-Christian. He's a Christian. But he said, this struggle bears in me. Now, Christians, if you're facing temptation, addiction, any problem that you have, don't fight with your own strength because the next verse comes. They say, thanks, oh, no, no, this one. Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ, our Lord, our Lord. If we fight with God's strength, we can win. With our own strength, we cannot. We have to learn to put our trust in Him. When the Lord at that time is like a slave and, and Lord, tell us to do that. We will not think, oh, I don't think it's a good idea. We do it straight away. When the Lord tells us to read the Bible, you don't say, I don't feel like it today. We, when the Lord say, go and visit the per this person, you say, I don't, I, I don't feel comfortable today. When the Lord tells you to do, you do it. That's the way obedience is the pathway of victory in our life. Next slide, please. Not only that, we can see the strength and authority of Jesus, but we also see the Bible tell us that Jesus actually understands all our struggles. He said we do not have a high priest who is unable to synthesize with our problem. All the temptation that we face, God has faced it on earth, but in victory. He understands our problem. So today, if you need a miracle like Sue, you need salvation like Peter, Jesus is there. Now, recovery counselors have a term called terminally unique. How many have heard of that term before? Now, terminally unique is usually uh, addicts that uh, say that I, my sin and my struggles are unique and nobody can help me. If I tell my friends that I have this problem, they'll be shocked, they won't be friends with me. And my case is terminal, nobody can help me. But researchers and also counselors tell us that healing takes place when you reach out for help. Today, it may be your day. 
if you feel that you need help from a wonderful counselor, you need to return back to him. Perhaps at this stage, I'll, I'll just say a quick prayer with our, all eyes closed and uh, all bow down. If you need Jesus in your life, if you're under addiction, under oppression, and you need help, I want you to put your hands up and reach out for help from Jesus. Reach out your hand to Jesus because He's the wonderful Savior in your life. Thank you, I see this hand. That's great. Anyone? Any more people who needs God's help? Thank you. Thank you. Great. I see this hand. That's great. You can put your hands down. Today, God has given us this privilege of knowing Jesus. You can look at me now. This is a, a sacred moment in our life that God wants to talk to you and wants to tell you that if you know that you are out of, you are helpless in this uh, world, and if you know Jesus as the wonderful Savior, He can heal you today. I'll ask the musicians to come forward. We're going to worship the Lord with a song. If you feel like God is speaking to you, uh, even if you haven't put up your hands, we'd like to later on ask you to come forward and we're going to pray for you. Today, in this Christmas season, not only do we celebrate the birth of Jesus, but we know that King Jesus is here and he's a wonderful counselor. He's going to help us with all the needs that we have. Thank you.